1: what's up guys week number 17 of the nfl season two games left to go man it just ends so fast it just it comes and then it's gone you know you you wait forever for it to get here and then it begins to leave almost immediately it just feels like the season is ending so quickly and a week from now we'll be talking about the last game of the regular season hopefully more if we keep winning and things go our way but you know that's Come on now, we're talking about the Bears for Christ's sake. Aaron Freeman will from the Locked On Falcons be on a little bit later to talk to us about uh, our inconsistent teams because the Falcons apparently to be uh, apparently are the Bears with a little bit of a better record uh, than us, and, and also playing in a, a division they still have a chance to win uh, if they win, get a little bit of uh, help as opposed to the Bears. That division is clinched, and uh, now we're fighting for you know our, our slim playoff hopes. Uh, Hang on uh, being the seventh seed in the uh NFC, which is a ticket to uh most likely Philadelphia, which I'm not one hundred percent interested in at this point. But hey, it is what it is. So but lots to talk about. We got news and notes, keys to the game, and our good friend Aaron Freeman from Lockdown Falcons. So let's get it started. This is the week seventeen preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up and- Home finale for our beloved Chicago Bears. Uh, Didn't start out that great with the embarrassing uh, week one loss to the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully something we will remedy a week from now uh, in Lambeau. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that at length next week. Evan Western already coming back to talk to us about that game. Really looking forward to talking to him and uh, get his thoughts on what it's been like to be a Packer fan uh, this season. Probably not too different than what it was last year, just it's, you know, Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, the, the two teams are not that dis, not distinguishable uh, from each other and similar results, similar record going into the final game of the season and hopefully a similar result with the Bears uh, beating the uh, Packers and sending them home for the winter as opposed to uh, them beating us and going on to the playoffs. So if the football gods exist, that's how it will go down next weekend. They will, they will win this weekend against the Vikings. And then we will beat them in Lambo with their playoff hopes on the line. <laughs> just, or if it's, you know, even better, maybe we could beat them and go to the playoffs ourselves. So that just would be the greatest thing on earth if that happened. But I digress. So yeah, but, uh, We'll see. This is going to be a very interesting game. Aaron and I talk about, uh, you know, the ups and downs of the Atlanta Falcons uh, this season and being in a division where they've been in first place, I think, at least twice this season. Once I know for sure, but I think they were actually in first place again uh, for a spell and still not out of it at seven and eight uh, with these final two games uh, left to play. So. And it doesn't appear that weather is going to be much of an issue uh, on Sunday. It'll probably be chillier than uh, the Southern Atlanta boys want to deal with. But overall, no rain, no snow or anything like that. looks like a high of 34 uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, not great conditions, but not as bad or as fun as they could be uh, for a late December game uh, in Chicago. So. New Year's Eve, we'll deal with it. But um, So let's go ahead and dive into our news and notes. We'll start with the injury report because that's what's uh, most interesting, in my opinion. Uh, good news, bad news would be the theme of the week. Good news, Tevin Jenkins, who missed last week with the concussion after getting hurt in the Cleveland game, has been full participation. I haven't heard yet that he's cleared concussion protocol, but he hasn't been Uh, Hasn't had any restrictions in practice thus far this week. Cole Komet, who left the game at halftime, uh, even having 107 yards receiving going into the half uh, against the Cardinals, has not practiced yet that week with the knee injury, but the Bears are optimistic that it's not a long-term injury. Uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, at some point, suffered a concussion and is in concussion protocol, has not practiced yet this week. Uh, Lucas Patrick was out of practice on Wednesday, but limited today on Thursday. Noah Sewell and Equinemius St. Brown are both, you know, who've missed a couple of games now. Sewell with the knee injury, Equinemius with the pectoral injury, have both been full participation so far this week. And I'm really looking forward to getting Equinemius St. Brown back because he's such a great blocker uh, in the running game. And uh, maybe we'll start to see a little bit more success with those screens that Lou Getze refused to tear out of his playbook, if Equinemius is out there leading the charge. So, that is our injury uh, report for this week. Uh, in other news, for the third year in a row, Devin Hester is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Two years ago was his first uh, was was he was an uh, open ballot, his first ballot was uh 2 years ago last year he came up short uh this year he is among 15 players including former bear Julius Peppers along with another bear Jerry Allen for the very short time that he was uh in Chicago but uh along with uh uh longtime veteran cornerback Eric Allen who was uh, mostly with the Eagles uh Willie Anderson offensive tackle spent most of his career with the Bengals Jerry Evans was a guard for the Saints Dwight Freeney, most most known mostly for his time in Indianapolis, but became kind of a journeyman in the last few years of his uh, of his career. Antonio Gates, the tight end from the then San Diego uh, Chargers, I don't think he played for the LA Chargers. Maybe he did, maybe a year or so. But nonetheless, it's his first year of eligibility. Rodney Harrison, the safety, uh, started in San Diego with the Chargers won some Super Bowls with the Patriots uh, in New England towards the end of his career. Torrey Holt, the wide receiver for the St. Louis uh, Rams uh, on the greatest show on turf. Andre Johnson, uh, wide receiver for the Houston Texans, was uh, number three overall pick, I believe, the year he got drafted. Uh, Running back Fred Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Reggie Wayne spent his entire career with the Indianapolis Colts, won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, against us in 2006 and San Francisco 49er linebacker Patrick Willis round out the 15 finalists Um, voting will be done in January I believe the same weekend as um, the Pro Bowl and the uh, the I think they announced them I know that everybody gets their jacket and they are basically recognized at the NFL honors, which is just before the super bowl. So maybe we won't find out until then, but, um, I, I'm, you you guys know, I, I definitely feel like Devin in, uh, deserves to be in there. There was only one Devin Hester. There'll never be another one. Um, you know, only being a returner, quote unquote is, it's kind of what hurting him. And there's always going to be a crop of players that, uh, you know, played quote unquote actual positions that will always hurt Devin's uh, standings. Like I, I honestly, I still feel the way that I did when he became eligible in his first year, two years ago, I thought if he didn't get in on the first year, it would probably be until he was a senior uh, finalist before he would actually get in. I thought it was either he gets in on the first try or he's going to have to try to weed through the next like 10 seasons uh, trying to beat the next, you know, the next crop of, of first ballot Hall of Famers, um, to be a part of the class. So, I think he deserves to be in. I think it's a travesty he's not already there. But with guys like Freeney and uh, you know Reggie Wayne, uh, uh, Willie Anderson is was an excellent player. Yeah, Antonio Gates. It's I just yeah I, I I don't I don't like his odds. I honestly, I don't because he's a specialist and there's. I think you can count on one hand how many special teams players are in the Hall of Fame right now. I don't think it bodes well uh, for Devin. He deserves to be there 1,000%. Will the Hall of Fame voters put him in over uh, Eric Allen or Dwight Freeney or Rodney Harrison or something like that? I, I honestly, I don't think so. So, you know, he should be. I would vote him in in a heartbeat, as in would just about any other Bear fan out there, but the likelihood of him getting the necessary votes. And I think it's 75% for a, uh, for a, um, for a regular finalist. That's a lot of votes. Cause I think 300 people or something like that vote on the hall of fame. But speaking of senior finalists, the Mongo McMichael, Steve McMichael is one of the three senior finalists. I was not able to find out who the other two were. Uh, obviously Mongo was with the bears from 1981 to 1993. Those are some of the best years, uh, starting in, like, 84, some of the best years in Bears history. That's the entire length of the Ditka era and the first year of Wanstad when he left after the 93 season. He was a two-time first-team All-Pro in 85 and 87. He was a second-team All-Pro three times from 86, 88, and 91, and he was a two-time Pro Bowler, which I don't know how you get voted Pro all pro and don't make the pro bowl. That makes no sense to me, but two time pro bowler in 86 and 87. He was one of the top 100 bears of all time. uh, When the bears did that a few years back, I think 2019 and these senior finalists need 80% of the vote from a 50 person panel. So he needs 40 of those 50 guys uh, and gals to vote him in, to be in the hall of fame where he deserves to be like he. This is definitely a guy that should have gone in when he was being voted amongst you know his peers of the day like Devin is uh, right now. So, And then I, I hope that that gives him the peace to where he can finally have peace because I got to tell you, man, as somebody who, who grew up watching Mongo play, um, I used to watch – he used to do a um, – the, uh, the, for the local NBC – Affiliate, he did kind of like the wrap-up uh, show on Sunday nights uh, on NBC. Knowing the personality that he was, um, you know, he, he he was also into wrestling. I've met Mongo. I've shaken the man's hand. To watch what 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 ALS Lou Gehrig's disease has done to him is absolutely heartbreaking for me, and I don't want Mongo to die but I, I really want him not to suffer anymore you know any time I see it's heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time to see the videos of his teammates and, and his friends like Ric Flair he and Ric Flair from his wrestling days are still very close you see pictures of him with Bongo all the time and it's heartwarming to see his friends and his, his teammates there for him but it's heartbreaking to see him and, and what this disease uh, has done to him. And I'm hoping that that we will hear on one day that he made it to the Hall of Fame and that he is a Hall of Famer so that he, he was here to know it, here to see it. And then the next day we hear that he went home, that he's done, and he's gone. Um, because, like I said, it's just uh, – and I'm just being selfish. I, I, I don't want the guy to suffer uh, anymore. And uh, I want to remember him as he was instead of the the images of seeing him how he is now. So I just that's just my two two cents on the Steve McMichael, uh situation. And then finally, a little bit more optimistic. Khalil Herbert named FedEx Ground Player of the Week. His 112 yards rushing uh, against the uh, Cardinals this past Sunday, including a, a rushing touchdown. On top of it, was good enough to win the award for week number, uh, 17. So we have that to stick in our, our bonnet, uh, and everything. And that's all I got for the news and notes for week number 17. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Aaron Freeman from locked on Falcons to help us preview bears Falcons week number 17. Week 17, the home finale for our beloved Chicago Bears. We're hosting the Atlanta Falcons, who, uh, frankly, I feel like are one of the more schizophrenic teams in this league. But they come from the most schizophrenic division in the league as well. So I guess it all makes sense. And here to help us uh, figure out the team that might be showing up on Sunday from Locked On Falcons, it's Aaron Freeman. Aaron, welcome back, man.
0: Appreciate you having me, man.
1: So let's talk about this team of yours, man. I, I They they start out 2-0, uh, two home victories, including uh, a come-from-behind victory over Green Bay uh, in Week 2, which thank you for that, uh, especially after the way that we embarrassed ourselves Week 1 against Green Bay. It was nice to see that they weren't uh, going to be unstoppable uh, again, so thanks for that. But then you go on the road to Detroit. That didn't go well. The trip over to the U.K., uh, didn't go well either. Then you come home, come from behind victory over the Texans. So I'm like, okay, so Atlanta's going to be the home team this year. They're three and oh at home. Here come the commanders, not a very good football team, lose to the commanders. And like, and I run a pick 'em league with my listeners, uh, Aaron. And I I, I know that I have a losing record picking games for the Atlanta Falcons because I just can't seem to figure them out. What's it been like as a fan of the team? following them from week to week this year
0: it's, it's very similar very yeah. similar um there was pretty much a stretch of the season when i time i picked them to win they would lose right anytime i picked them to lose they would win <laughs> so it, it's it's basically been the same story for me sure. just figuring out this team week to week you're like there's certain elements of the team that you feel good about yeah but then there's this other elements that are just volatile week to week and you're just like I, we don't know what we're gonna get you know and and that leads to the inconsistent the only thing consistent about the Falcons is how inconsistent they are right yeah
1: and and you're stealing words right out of my mouth I've been saying about this about the Bears all season as well whenever I pick them to win they lose when I pick them to lose they win and the only thing that they do consistently is be inconsistent it's just it's maddening uh to watch you guys have had a little bit more success than us uh this year but uh and you're also playing in, in in the right division to be inconsistent because despite all of it, you're only a game back uh, in the division right now behind the uh, the Buccaneers. So I mean, it's uh, you need a little help to to uh, to get to the postseason or to get a division championship. But going into these last two games, it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the the numbers are like it's a twelve percent chance or something like that that the Falcons make the playoffs. So, you know, the Bucks have a, a chance to sort of take care of business this weekend and win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing how the NFC South goes, like, that's not a guarantee by any means, even if they are the favorites uh, against the Saints. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the possibility that the Falcons could sneak their way into a wild card spot if the rest of the NFC, uh, you know, doesn't take care of business as well, which is definitely, a. it's basically the story of the NFC. There's like Three good teams in the NFC, yeah, and then everybody else, right? And you know, <laughs> and then even the good teams, like, are they as good as we thought? You know, right, Philadelphia and Dallas. It's and, crazy, you know, man, because because yeah. everybody
1: has that kind of signature loss on their schedule this year, or if you're a team like the Cowboys, who can't, who are three and five on the road this season, but unstoppable and unbeatable in their own building, and they're more than likely going to be on the road for the entire the entirety of the uh, playoffs if they keep at it uh, the way they are now. You know, the Lions are 11-4, and four, but is anybody really afraid of the Lions uh, at this point? And the 49ers and the Eagles are both showing uh, how to, basically over the last few weeks, have shown a blueprint on how to beat them uh, and how they're vulnerable. So it's like it as good as those four teams are, all of them double-digit win teams, they, they all look like they could get knocked off on the right day.
0: Yeah, Definitely.
1: So after the Commanders game, somehow you're playing for first place against the uh, Buccaneers uh, in Week 7. And thanks to Wei Ku's field goal at the end of the game, you guys are in first place after winning that game. But you lose three in a row to kind of knock that all out of uh, out of contention uh, as well. So, I mean, yeah, and all of them were one-score games, too. Really close uh, games twenty eight twenty three to the to the Titans and I couldn't figure that one out. That was just Will Levis's Superman day because uh, that's basically all that was explained. It was his first start. They're wearing the Oilers uniform, so weird things were going to happen that day, and that was one of them. Then you had the Josh uh, Josh Dobbs hero performance uh, in Atlanta uh, at and then you lost to the returning Kyler Murray. You guys just couldn't catch a break there. Uh, For three weeks, all one score games, all with quarterbacks starting like basically their first game uh, of the season and all of them, you know, very tight losses. Talk about that, that those three weeks when at the start of that you were in first place in your division.
0: Yeah, it, the parallels between last year and this year, we, we brought that up a lot, right? The Falcons last year were four and four in first place in the division. And this year they were four and three in first place in the division, mm-hmm. and last year they went like one and four or something like that. Right after that, four and four start, and then you were like, okay, well, this year it's going to be different, and it wasn't different. And as you say they they lost those games. Like wh- the the Titans game was so weird because like Will Levis made four throws in that game and they all went for touchdowns, right? And like didn't do anything else the rest of the game. And like if you look at a lot of like you know the numbers from that game you know like some of the advanced metrics you'd be like yeah well wellfs didn't play well the falcons defense played great they just gave up four plays and they all happened to be touchdowns right uh, and then you know you had the josh dobbs game and it's always the falcons it seems like are on I can see of, it's
1: like this one actually hurts you this loss yeah, cuz you're seeing, you're rolling your eyes you're you're nodding your head it's like yeah that one that one that's one you definitely want back i can see it on your face
0: yeah i mean cuz they had no business losing to a guy that didn't practice right it didn't know the offense that was just basically just playing purely off of feel mm-hmm. just like running around and just making plays with the, for whatever reason, the Falcons decided that was going to be the day where they refused to be able to tackle a quarterback. And Josh jobs like broke like 13 tackles in that game mm. and, and led the Vikings to victory. And then Kyler Murray kind of did a similar thing the next week. And that's kind of what scares me about this matchup against the bears. Cause the Falcons have been terrible against mobile quarterbacks. They even gave up a, like a 40 yard run to Baker Mayfield in that week seven game that put, Tampa Bay in position to potentially win that game at the end. Ultimately, they fell short of that. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's just been sort of a a through line through the season where it's just like, you know, a mobile quarterback gives them so many problems, and we saw that during that stretch of games that included Josh Dobbs and Kyler Murray, and then of course Will Levis just you know chucking bombs to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, um, and it, it was a very frustrating stretch of games. It. You know the the season kind of turned at that point because you you really thought similar to the previous year in twenty twenty two that you had the, sort of the soft part of your schedule. Like you would look at those games: Tennessee with you know Will Levis, their third string quarterback to start the year; mm-hmm. Minnesota with Jaron Hall, their third string quarterback, and then you know their backup is Josh Dobbs, who uh you know hasn't practiced with the team, and then. You're getting Kyler Murray back that, you know, that's a good quarterback, but the rest of that Arizona team is terrible. Yeah. You know, was one of the worst teams in the league, and the Falcons found a way to lose all three of those games, and that's kind of been, you know, their season in a nutshell. When, when they have an opportunity to, to turn a corner, they fall short somehow.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the Josh Dobbs thing was being on the sidelines doing the cadence so his offensive lineman would know what it sounded like. That's how little he'd practiced with the team, Never mind not knowing anybody's name on the team, but they didn't know what he sounded like when he was doing his cadence. He didn't want anybody jumping off sides or anything. He's literally there on the sideline with the entire offensive line huddled around him while he practiced uh, the cadence, and somehow that went out on the field and won uh, a football game that
0: day. It's never going to happen again. That is never (laughs) going to happen again. That's right. But the one time it it did did. happen, it happened to be against the Atlanta Falcons. That's just – I feel yeah, your pain, really Aaron. Yeah, I feel you know, your pain.
1: It's it's I've I went through uh, as a bear fan. We went through a game. I forget which one it was. It was recent. I think it may have been the uh, the Browns game where we forced three turnovers. Uh, we had no no no. It was the Lions game where we we forced four turnovers in that game. We had forty minutes time of possession, and there was something else that was thrown in there. And though the teams that it had that advantage were something like four hundred and, and 0 or something like that. And thanks to the Bears, now it's one and uh, you know, three, four hundred and fifty six or whatever. The cra- it was is a crazy insane stat that this is how we witness history is when the Bears epically collapse and we did it three times this year, bro. Three times. We had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and we managed to piss it away. Almost did it last week again against Arizona. And uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to you guys coming in. You're actually better than the Cardinals, so maybe you'll just do us a favor and just beat us and get it over with as opposed to letting us have a fourth quarter lead and you just take it away from us.
0: We'll see we'll see every soccer <laughs> game as as you say is is a one score game going into the fourth quarter in the final minutes, and you know the unfortunate thing of of playing that style of football sort of you know you can get some lucky breaks of the ball yeah, that will bounce in your favor, and then sometimes they'll bounce against you. And that, I think, contributes to the inconsistency where you're just, you know, a lot of, a lot of these games for the Falcons kind of boil down to who's got the ball in the final two minutes is probably going to be the team that winds up winning the game because they'll basically have the ball last to score last right. um, in these sort of close one-score games.
1: Right. So after your bye week, you're four and 6 you're taking on the Saints, and this five-week run, I am one in four picking Falcons games, okay? Because I'm like, all right, they've lost three in a row. The Saints are in first place now. This the the Falcons are done. They're done, right? They they had their shot. It's a crazy division. I mean, they're not out of it, but I just feel like that three year, the, the, you know three-game losing streak is up. No, they come in and they beat the they beat the Saints. Um, an insane game. <laughs> They have against the Saints because statistically, New Orleans kind of dominated the game. But pick six uh, in that one, uh, and and just like missing field goals, they can't finish a red zone drive. all five of all five of their scoring drives are field goals while you guys punch in a you know a touchdown here and there. It wasn't so much that you guys just beat them; it's that you know the Saints did nothing to kind of win that game on top of it that like 20 to 20, they were unbelievable. But when they got to the red zone, everything was just shut down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the the Falcons skated that game through the, the skin of their teeth, as they say. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, it was, it was a very enjoyable sloppy win for the Falcons. I'm sure. Because you know, it's the new Orleans saints and that's the Falcons biggest rival. Right. uh, Any, any, any win against the saints is, is a good win.
1: Right. And you got one more week 18 after this. So, do us a favor and look forward to that one, so we can gonna be like, hey, we weren't, we weren't looking. The Bears won. How about that? So, um, but then the one game that I got right in this five game stretch was that game against the Jets because I declared the Jets to be done. But a week later, they can cuss uh, C.J. Stroud and win thirty to six. It's like you know, so what the hell do I know? But yeah, that's the one game that I got right. They a flat out defensive affair. You guys win thirteen to eight. And then I'm like, okay, so maybe the Falcons are back. The defense is really humming. You know, they they did a great job keeping New Orleans out of the end zone two weeks ago. They completely shut the Jets down. Not that that was very hard to do this season, but they went out there and they did it. So Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers are on like a five, have lost five out of six or whatever it was at the time. So they got this right. No, they managed to find a way to lose that one. And then the 100% come on moment. Was a week later in Carolina when they lose to the Panthers, and so did you even make it out alive at the end of that one? Because that one had to be the most frustrating. Not only did you, you know, I'm sure you know the jokes about how much it cost to actually get in to that game that day, right? It was like four dollars for a ticket, and I've heard some that were even cheaper than that.
0: Yeah, I, I saw some of the prices. They were they were decimals, right? Yes. Uh, and the change, pennies could, on the you dollar. Could, yeah, yeah, you could. You could pay uh, for your ticket with pocket change, right? Um, yeah, that that, <clears throat> that one was a frustrating one uh, for obvious reasons, sure. right? Um, you know, but the thing about the Falcons was it was just like, yeah, I went into that game knowing that they could very easily lose that game because, like I said, <laughs> they were going to be in a one-score game against the worst team in the league mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, and you know they could. Desmond Ritter can throw an inexplicable, terrible interception, and then the Panthers could get on the field, march 95 yards down the field, and, and kick the game winning field goal. And nice. like it was incredibly frustrating, but frustrating in the sense of like, yep, this this feels pretty typical feels of the right. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you know, oh, so wow. it was just like, what frustrating in the sense of like, I knew this was coming, and you just couldn't get out the way of it. You just, he's just watching that. Bus just slowly inch down the the, the road towards you, and you're just like I can't get out the road, you know. It's, yeah, somebody that, shut off
1: the emergency like, brakes, so and this thing's rolling no matter what, and here it comes, yeah. kind of thing. And then finally, last weekend, I'm like, okay, for the second time this season, I declare the Falcons are done. They're six and eight. They just lost to the Carolina Panthers. They've benched Desmond Ritter. They're for, they're going back to Taylor Heineke, who was. You know, pretty good, but he ended up getting himself hurt, and then they benched him and left him there and, and all that kind of stuff. 29-10 to 10 victory over the Colts. And, you know, I'm like, all right, I, I, I don't know what. From now on, every game I pick for the Falcons is a coin toss because using logic and, and reason in order to pick a game uh, for them has not done me any any favors in
0: 2023. Ditto, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know. It was a nice win, the with against the Colts. The Falcons were able to get back to their style of play, you know, running the football, um, being efficient. Uh, even though they were like zero for three in the red zone in that game, but the defense did their job, and the Falcons were able to put up some nice points—twenty-nine points, points yeah—the the highest total of the season. Like we're, we're still looking for that thirty burger, but uh, you know, maybe we'll get it this week against the Bears.
1: I'll be damned. You're right. If twenty eight was the closest you had gotten before that, wow! You're right. You guys haven't scored thirty yet this year. Wow. Um, so let's talk about the just like the season in general. Is is Arthur Smith's seat hot? Is he done after this season? If you guys say you guys lose these last two games, you finish, uh, you know, seven and ten or whatever. Is is he done? Does does he have the vote of confidence uh, or anything like that? Or is he going to be a Black Friday, uh, Black Monday casualty?
0: I think he's relatively safe. I, I don't think the Falcons want to move on from Arthur Smith. And I think last week's win and assuming and again you can never assume anything with the Atlanta Falcons as we just outlined. Sure. Um, you know, assuming that they don't in look embarrassingly bad over these next two games, I think they'll probably wind up keeping Arthur Smith. Um <clears throat> and I think <clears throat> the priority this offseason is going to be upgrading that quarterback position. And then finding, you know, a fixture there that they can move forward with, and with confidence for years to come. And they, you know, they were hoping that Desmond Ritter, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> they were hoping Desmond Ritter would be that guy. Obviously he uh, fell short of that, those expectations this year. Um, So I, I think Arthur Smith is relatively safe, probably safer than a lot of people would assume he would be mm-hmm. at this point, given, you know, the typical trend in the NFL, three years, Three potential losing seasons. You know that's that's not usually a recipe to get a fourth year as a head coach in the NFL. But I think the Falcons look at it from the perspective of they kind of knew they had to rebuild in the post Dan Quinn era. In those first two years, I don't think they're going to really hold that against Arthur Smith and this current regime in the ways that you would with maybe an a, another organization or another regime would elsewhere. Um, those seven and ten finishes, I think they look at that as like we needed to take our lumps um, so that we can sort of clear this bad cap situation and sort of start fresh. And so I I think you, the Falcons approach is more, this was more of a year one than a a year three Mm
1: -hmm.
0: for them. I think they had expectations given this season, you know, given the division, a very winnable division that did play out this way. Um, And so They definitely disappointed this year, given those expectations. that The division was theirs for the taking. Um, But I think they'll probably try to run it back one more time and see if they have better luck next year with Arthur Smith. So the seat is warm, right? Sure. He'll be, um, if he is back next year, he'll probably be the front runner to be the first coach fired. Okay. Right. Um, But I do think the Falcons are going to be probably more patient than most teams in this situation.
1: So in the last couple years, you've, in the offseason, have passed on upgrading at quarterback. It would have cost you in both instances. With two years ago with Deshaun Watson this past season, the rumors of, uh, I don't know if they were, you know, any any credence to him, but Lamar Jackson was available for a time. And, you know, you pass on both of those guys, you stick with uh, Desmond Ritter, and that doesn't work out. Uh, Tyler Heineke is... You know, basically did what he did in Washington. He's serviceable, but he's not a long-term uh, solution there. And then, of course, all throughout the season with the Bears, uh, with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams rumors, uh, one of the solutions is we'll draft Caleb Williams and then send Justin back home to Atlanta, Georgia, and he can be the quarterback for the Falcons. Is there any noise like that on the Atlanta end of things, like bring Justin Fields to Atlanta?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk, mostly on Twitter. Right. Um,
1: Awesome very, place to hang out sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know. You know, they're, they're so plugged in there. Um but I, I think most people that cover the team like myself don't really think that's a realistic possibility or a, I wouldn't say realistic, likely mm-hmm. possibility. I think there's going to be a lot of people for the same reasons that last year, you know. There there's this fascination for some reason with the Falcons having an athletic mobile quarterback which is why that, which fueled a lot of the Lamar Jackson stuff, I think is which, was just fueling the Justin Fields stuff. But it, there, there's really no indication that, that that's what this coaching staff wants in their mm-hmm. quarterback that, you know, when they had that type of quarterback in Marcus Mariota, they were like, well, we want more of a passer. Right. Um, and so I, you know, there's going to be probably a lot of speculation of, Oh, J- Justin Fields to Atlanta. But I don't think that's going to be coming from Atlanta. Right. That's just going to be a lot of other people, sort of connecting those dots. Um, frankly, I, I think there's a problem if they're going to go after a veteran quarterback. It's much likelier that they'll go after someone like a Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. this off season than Justin Fields. Um, but we'll see how it plays out.
1: What about Russell Wilson? Or is he like an older Justin Fields for you guys?
0: <laughs> I you know I, I think the challenge with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I don't see Arthur Smith and Russell Wilson getting along. <laughs> Let's just say that.
1: Okay, all right. So, so if
0: there's a, if there's a different coach, then Russell Wilson becomes a possibility. But I, I don't see Arthur Smith and Russell Wilson meshing particularly well.
1: So are they going to be on the hunt in the in the draft? Because one of those quarterbacks is bound to to possibly fall to you guys somewhere in the teens. Uh, you know, maybe a Michael uh, Penix or something like that. Uh, uh, maybe of a J.J. McCarthy or something, if you're looking for more of a pocket passer kind of guy. Is there any buzz around those guys, or are you guys looking more of a, we want to bring in a veteran to plug into what we've got going on instead of starting fresh with a rookie?
0: I I think the Falcons would love to get that sort of long-term rookie, mm-hmm. you know, but that will probably require them to trade up in the draft. Sure. And given some of the teams picking at the top, like I don't, I don't look like, it doesn't look like some of those teams are going to trade out. Right. Chicago, Arizona, New England, um, et cetera. Um, So I think that's going to be hard for them to do. So I I think they're going to be more inclined to go after a rookie. I mean, uh, go after a veteran Uh just because I think in a lot of ways you can look at some of the struggles and inconsistencies that the Falcons have had on offense this year. Maybe a byproduct of all the youth that they've had on that side of the ball, that they have so many first, second and third year players as sort of core pieces on their offense and I think you look at the defense in contrast, which is a more veteran laden unit. Uh, and that unit has been a lot more consistent. And I think the one conclusion that you could have if you're the Falcons is we need, you know, a couple of grownups on the offensive side of the ball. And so getting one of those guys at the quarterback position makes a ton of sense. Sure.
1: Sure. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it, it does make a lot of sense, especially with guys like uh, Bijan and Drake London. And you have, uh, Kyle Pitts, who haven't really had, I mean, they've had, you know, Mariota and Taylor Heineke and and Desmond Ritter as, you know, the guy throwing them passes uh, and everything. It would be uh, a nice change of pace to have a, uh, a Kirk Cousins or someone like him uh, that's been around, that uh, has played with guys like Justin Jefferson and uh, things like that in the league to, uh, to come in and, and lead the offense. Kind of gives your offense instant credibility bringing in somebody like him.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what they're they're gonna go for. I think that will be easier to um, well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. Easier <laughs> to sell um, than maybe a Justin Fields. Like I, I know there are probably more people that are higher on Justin Fields than they are on Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I certainly think like that's the issue with Justin Fields. And I'm sure you're well aware of this. It's like you see the talent. Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of inconsistency. And if you're Arthur Smith and you're going into kind of a make or break year, are you going to put your chips in the middle of the table on, on another young, inconsistent quarterback? Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make a a ton of sense in that scenario. You, you want a more proven veteran option at that point in time, or if you're going to, you know, take a flyer on a young quarterback, you know, it will be a draft pick as opposed to, you know, someone who's going to be like a one year rental, which -hmm. would be the Justin Fields situation.
1: Right. And here I am as, as a Bear fan. I'm, I'm still waiting for an offensive coordinator that's going to use Justin Fields to the best of his abilities, as opposed to these last three years, we've had three different play callers, all of which tried to turn him into uh, a pocket passer. When, yeah, he can throw the ball out of the stadium, but he's he's a Lamar Jackson. He's you know uh, a younger, stronger Russell Wilson type guy that can hurt you with his legs just as much uh, as his arm, and and yet, you know, they want him back in the pocket waiting for nine seconds for somebody to to come open rather than turn him loose and, and, and let him run like we did for that five-game pocket in the middle of 2022 where he was the hottest thing the NFL had uh, for that month and a half. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm still waiting for that to happen. I'm hoping the Bears give him one more year, even though it doesn't really make sense. You know, I think the decision's been made, but we'll have to wait and see how it all uh, turns out uh in the uh in the off season so i don't, yeah. i don't know and and you know same thing with you guys i guess we'll have to wait to find out what the Falcons are going to do to figure out what twenty twenty four uh is going to look like but so let me let 's talk about Bijan robinson because there's been a lot of talk about I mean, basically he 's like justin fields he 's not being used to the best of uh his abilities or actually in some cases not being used at all. You know, like, what do we draft him for, top 10, first running back off the board, if we're still going to just, uh, you know, kind of use him sparingly or not use him at all in in some situations?
0: I will say this. I I think the Bijan not getting enough usage conversation has been overblown. It has been accurate at times. There have been games where it's like, why isn't Bijan getting the ball in these situations? Yeah. Uh, Like the Carolina game two weeks ago where it was like, why is why are the Falcons running it so much on early downs and, and none of those carries are going to Bijan? Um and and it's fine if you want to give the ball to Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. They're two very capable running backs. But if you're if you're not gonna hand the ball off to Bijan, then find ways to get him involved elsewhere in the offense in the passing game and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And you know, there's been a, a couple of games like that this year where the Falcons I, I think A lot of it's overblown though, but I think part of that is my, my personal theory is I think a lot of people went into the season understandably thinking that Bijan was going to get a similar workload in Atlanta's offense under Arthur Smith that Derrick Henry got in Tennessee under Arthur Smith. Sure. And I knew going into the season that this was going to be more of a two headed backfield than what I think a lot of people assumed it would be. Um, and so I think that's leading to some of the criticism because, you know, people are expecting Bijan to get like 25 touches a game and he's only getting 15. Um, and so they're like, this is this is terrible. Why are you not giving Bijan the ball enough? And it's like, he's getting the ball plenty. It's just not as much to the degree um, that people think he should. Um, so, you know, it, it has been an issue, but I don't know if it's been as big an issue as it has been made out to be at various points this year
1: is he a guy that needs to heat up and that's why you know people feel like he needs to be fed the ball right. more like you know he he really starts to heat up and like carry 15 to 20 as opposed to you give him one carry here three plays later you give him another one instead of just feeding him the ball like a plays in a row and watch him go
0: not not particularly i i think he's he's a player that you can kind of pick and choose your spots with um I mean, I don't think it hurts to, to feed him the ball, maximum carries. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but he's he's not one of those. Like, I think you contrast that with Tyler Algier, who's more of that, like, you know, feed him 15, 20 carries and, you know, carries 12 through 20. You know, you're going to see his impact on the game. That he's going to be more of that grinder that wears on defenses. And the Falcons have turned to Tyler Gier a lot in the fourth quarter to kind of finish games because of that, mm-hmm. um, which may contribute to people's frustration with Bijan's usage. Where it's like, why are they still finding ways to give Tyler Lajjar 15 carries a game as well? Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that's been a a major issue with, with Bijan. I, I think he can be, be more of that player that you can kind of pick and choose your spots with.
1: So you would, would you say that the offense is the, you know, obviously the weaker of the two units uh, on the team this year?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been the more inconsistent of the unit. The defense has consistently been good this year. Right. They've had they've had some hiccups. Um, they've had some late game collapses, but for the most part, like every week you can expect the defense to play well for like three quarters. And the offense to play well for maybe one quarter, you know, maybe, maybe one. Yeah. And that's about it. And if you get two good quarters of play from the offense, you're like, Oh, this, this is it my game. birthday. Yeah. You know? you know, this was a great game for the offense, but yeah.
1: Yeah. That, uh, the, the bears, uh, you know, my keys to the game, which I'll be doing after we get done here. Uh, one of the keys is to play a 60 minute football game. Cause the bears haven't done it yet. You know, obviously three fourth quarter collapses. We almost had one again last week that would have been number four. Uh and, and other times, you know, we're we're playing teams where we have a bad half or a bad quarter and before you know it we're you know well like we had one bad quarter against the Chiefs, but they scored five times in that quarter and it was twenty seven to three or twenty seven to seven or something like that at the end uh of that uh of that second quarter and the game was was over. I mean, we never really had much of a shot against the Chiefs, but to have the collapse that we had in that quarter and basically gift them a victory uh, at halftime is is one of the things that they've specialized in uh, this season. And it's always that portion where they disappear on both sides of the ball, seemingly that ends up being what hurts us uh, the most. You know, and it's just uh, something that we've seen week in and week out. And and in a lot of ways, I feel like it's a miracle that were six and nine and even, you know, despite the fact that if we finished those three games that we had double digit leads for we're nine and six and in the playoffs, uh, right now, I mean, it really could be, uh, that kind of season, uh, for the bears, but it's just, you go back and you watch those games and like, yeah, we're right where we're supposed to be, uh, right now with the way that this team has conducted itself throughout the year.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So, What's, uh, you know, what has been the Achilles heel for the offense with, uh, with the, with the Falcons? Has it, has it been inconsistent offensive line play, Arthur Smith's play calling, you know, you don't, you really haven't had a quarterback this year, at least not for a consistent basis, all of the above hit me with it.
0: I mean, turnovers have been the main Achilles heel for the Falcons. that Turnovers have taken points off the, the Desmond Ritter had six red zone turnovers, um, you know, we talk about the not having a 30-burger this season. There were several games that if Desmond Ritter didn't turn the ball over three times, you know, basically at the one-yard line um, earlier the season, like Tampa Bay and Washington games, you know, the, the Falcons should have got their 30-burgers in those games. Um, that's probably the main issue. But, I mean, the real strength of the Falcons' offense is and their identity is their run game. Um, and when they can run the football, they're very good. Um, and that has been one of the bigger problems this year, in addition to the quarterback play is that they had one of the best running attacks in the league last year. And for the most part this year, it's been an average to below average group. Mm. And in the games where they've been able to run the ball effectively, like last week against the Colts, the 200 plus yard games they had earlier this season, like against the saints, you know, those are the types of games that this team can win on a, on a pretty consistent basis but they just haven't those game types of games were pretty much a weekly occurrence last year. And, you know, they've maybe had like five or six of those types of games this year. Um, and I think that's been the biggest thing that has held back this team, especially. And they've been dealing with a lot of injuries on the offensive line the last couple of weeks. Um, and that's also limited their ability to, to, to run the ball effectively. Um, and, you know, you're going up against the Bears, Run defense is one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. so you sit there and you go like, okay, are, are the Falcons going to be the the one team that does run the ball effectively against? you know it seems like basically that Kansas City team and Detroit's the only teams that have been able to successfully get their ground games going against this bears defense, and so the Falcons would love to be you know the third or fourth team to that list, but based off of how the Bears have played this year. Doesn't feel like that's likely. So if that if they can't get the the ground game going, then yeah, you know, we'll we'll see if their offense can can get going. But there isn't a, there isn't a lot of reason to think that you know they can their 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 passing attack can carry their offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and you know it's it sounds a lot like the the bears as far as like the the strength of this offense is definitely in running uh the football and you know it's it's meant to or one would think feed into play action and opening up the passing game and we really haven't seen uh enough of that because our offensive coordinator instead of using play action and rollouts and allowing our mobile quarterback to move out of the pocket and things like that. Loves, loves Aaron screens. He loves Mm -hmm. screens. Quick screens to the outside. Uh, And what always blows my mind is that I could probably count on one hand how many times the Bears have had a numbers advantage on one of those screen plays. It'll be, we'll throw it out there, and there's DJ Moore and one other receiver versus at least three or four defenders. And we're expecting you know productivity and first downs and and big plays uh from these uh formations and the other thing is he will run them to death despite how successful and or mainly unsuccessful they are so i mean is is i mean i see you smirking is that an arthur smith staple as well or no
0: okay no. i just you know Luke Getty. uh yeah pit pit legend i i'm a pit alum
1: okay so
0: um you know i have a fondness for luke getsy sure dating from his college his days of playing college football uh at pit for like one or two years before he, i think he transferred to akron or something like that but um yeah it's, it's just it's just funny to me that like you know it depending on who you ask like some people think Arthur Smith's play calling is terrible. I, I don't tend to agree with that opinion, mm-hmm. but I, I've seen some, you know, people put some some stuff out there that would suggest that, you know, potentially these two teams have the worst play calling in the league, <laughs> Bears and the Falcons. So, um.
1: yeah, I mean, if if you watch that Monday night game against the uh, Vikings earlier this season, it was like screen palooza uh, out there in a game where only one touchdown was scored between the two teams, and somehow the Bears, the team without touchdowns, managed to win that game. And it was regarded as one of the worst games of the season. Um, and, uh, you know, even though the uh, the Jets and the Giants played a game where they they had more punts than they had points, and somehow the Bears and the Vikings eked over over those guys uh, in that one. So it, it's, yeah. you know, it, it, everybody's uh, got an opinion about that kind of thing. And it's usually laughable. I mean, tw- Twitter's a good place to get a good laugh when some people are being completely serious about the opinion that they hold and uh, it just sends you rolling over in your chair, uh, you know, the thoughts that uh, some people have, but uh, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but, uh, so what do you think we're, we're, we're looking at on Sunday? Cause here we are, you and I have been talking for the last 40 minutes or so about how inconsistent our teams are. So, you know, how about we try to take a stab at what we think we might see on Sunday?
0: I mean, for the reasons we've been talking about, it's basically a coin flip game because you don't know which version of either one of these teams is going to show up. Exactly. And yeah. I I probably side more with the Bears just because the Falcons tend to not be good on the road mm-hmm. and the Bears seem to be a little bit better at home. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it, it will probably go the Bears way. Mm. but I again think it's going to be like a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and potentially who has the, the ball last in the in the final two minutes is going to be the team that has a, a chance to, to to go down the field and score and and get the game winner. So because of that, like you just kind of go into the game. It's like well we'll, we'll we'll see, we'll see, you know. Right. But it's really a a, a sort of coin flip game. But you know, if, I, I feel like for the most part, it, you know the Bears are, are right. I think they're what, three point favorites or something like that. So Right. Th- that that's feels the, like it
1: Yeah, that's that's the home field thing. That's that's what that three points is which basically yeah. means it's a pick'em game.
0: Yeah, uh, pretty much. Essentially, that's,
1: as far as the line uh, is concerned. So
0: But it, it does feel like, you know, this game will probably be decided by a field goal at the end.
1: Sure. And I we're not gonna have anywhere near the the weather you'd think we'd be having this time of year to be welcoming a southern dome team. Uh, into Soldier Field, I I hear that it's supposed to be in the 30s, which is you know pretty cold, uh, especially for a Southern Dome team uh, uh, and everything. But I don't know that it'll be you know 30 mile an hour winds and you know biting temperatures, and that would take the Southern guys out of the uh, out of the equation uh, or anything. We're not going to have any bear weather, if they will, uh, for this uh, for this game. But my my feelings are similar to yours, but. That's why I think the Falcons are going to win because, you know, the this feels like a game the Bears should win. Uh, it's it's uh, winnable on the, on, on the merits of how well the defense has played. What the Bears do best on defense is what the, the Falcons do best on offense. We're the best run defense in the league. You guys, uh, you know, are better at running the football than you are uh, passing it. So it makes all the sense in the world that, you know, they would kind of cancel – each other out, and then it would be about what the um, you know, how the well the uh, Falcons defense can handle the Bears on offense. But the Bears are so wildly consistent on offense; I have no idea what they're going to do uh, against you guys. So it really does kind of come down to a a coin flip. And even though lo- you know, like logically, I believe the Falcons are going to win this game, which is probably why the Bears will win. Like I'll I'll pick the Falcons to win. So of course. I can't get a Falcons game right, so the Bears will win and you know, so I'll ultimately be happy about the result, but annoyed also at the same time that I can't figure out my team or this other team that's been plaguing me all season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Basically been in that same boat all year long. Yeah.
1: So what does what has the show sounded like for you uh this year? I mean, you don't seem like too uh too emotional. Uh, of a guy you see pretty even keeled. But, I mean, for a team that's been driving you as as crazy as it sounds like it has, I would love to know what some of these episodes sound like for
0: you. I mean, I've been a Falcon fan for 30 years. Right. I've been podcasting about the Falcons for basically a decade. So I, I can I can handle the the inexplicable losses. I I've seen quite a few in my lifetime. So, you know, it is frustrating, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there, there, there are bigger problems in the world than the Atlanta Falcons. You know, blowing a lead in the last three minutes. You there know, you so I just gotta. Do you just take it in stride and like you know? I always sort of like, you know, what what is the gig as 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 us as fans? Right? We just it's always next week. Mm-hmm. It's always next year. Right. right? And so you just you just gotta have that mindset of when your team inevitably disappoints you. It's like well, we'll get them next week, and then. <laughs> When they inevitably disappoint you at the, by the end of the year, you're like, "Well, we'll get them next year." Yeah, and uh, that's so that's basically. Here, yeah. here are the half this, dozen
1: uh, things we need to do this off season so yeah. that we're we're playing in Vegas next year, baby. And, yeah, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know the drill, bro. I've been uh, a fan of a mediocre to bad team for the most of my life, anyway. But I'm I'm the guy that got set up. Uh, Set up. Now, I was doomed to fail as a fan because I was uh, in 1985 when the Bears won the Super Bowl, and they are the greatest team of all time. Uh, I was seven years old, and that was the first team that I followed from start to finish. And the one game that they lost against the Dolphins on Monday Night Football was past my bedtime, so I never saw it. So as far as the Bears were concerned in 85, they never lost a game. Didn't watch them lose one game that whole season. I heard that they lost the game, but I never saw it. So, to me, it was like it never happened. I watched them win the Super Bowl. And then the next year in 1986, they went 14-2, and two, you know. And then I was crushed when they lost to the Redskins in the, uh, in the divisional round. That was like the first real loss I saw the Bears take, and it's all been downhill from there, you know. All been downhill from there. That's 35 years of mediocrity that I've lived through with the occasional playoff team Here and there, and another trip to the Super Bowl, which was also heartbreaking and gut wrenching to the Colts in 2006. So, yeah, so it's it's uh, it 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 hurts. I know that you've been to a couple of Super Bowls, you know, to Denver, and then of course New England, which I'm sure you don't want to talk about here, and uh, I won't, I won't, I won't even say the phrase uh, for you because I respect you. So, uh, but yeah, you've been through the ringer with your team as well, highs and lows and everything in between.
0: Pretty much, pretty much. But the thing I will say is, uh, you know, the phrase 28 to three. Yeah. That if if we can survive that, then we can survive anything. That's bit, that's basically what it is. You know.
1: Did you uh, so, you watch the draft this year? Yeah. You saw the guy, the fan that made the pick, twenty eight uh-huh, three. Yeah. You haven't heard that yeah. one before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a really good response. It's like, oh, funny. You know, it's like when you when you call a fat guy fat, like, oh, I'm fat. I've ever heard that one before. You know, uh-huh. like, oh, that's the best you got. Good for you. You yeah. Know? So. yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. So what uh where where can we uh keep up with you uh these days uh on online. Uh Twitter has been been an issue this season.
0: Yeah. 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 I somehow got suspended from Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you if you want tweets from me, I mean, I still tweet under the head of Locked on Falcons, but rarely. So, you know, Twitter is just no longer a, a part. I'm I'm trying to get things going on Threads, but sometimes, most days, I forget. I, I have an account over there, right? So, I mean, mostly if you just want my text, just check out Locked On Falcons five days a week, Monday through Friday. YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, that's usually where I'm, I'm hanging out.
1: All right, Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, man. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. there you have it guys, Aaron Freeman, just as confused as I am as to how this damn thing is going to turn out on Sunday. You know, I have no idea what to expect. I know what I want. Same as him. He wants to see his team play well. He wants to see him run the football. He wants to see him, you know, use the football to, or use running game to open up the passing game and use his tools like Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts uh, down the field to, uh, you know, to hurt the, uh, to hurt the bears and, and whatnot. I want the same thing from the bears. I want them to run the football, use Khalil Herbert, give the ball a little bit more to Roshan Johnson, use the play action to open things up for Justin Fields to find, hopefully Cole Komet or, uh, you know, obviously DJ Moore And, uh, you know, it looks like Equinemia, St. Brown and, and Tyler Scott, uh, downfield to, uh, open up the passing game as well. But, uh, We'll have to wait and see until kickoff on Sunday, what we're actually going to get in return. So, but here are the keys to the game as I see them. The first one is very simple: always know where Bijan Robinson is on the field because he is very much a Swiss Army knife type player uh, for the Falcons. He is just as dangerous catching the ball out of the backfield as he is running uh, the football. You know, just go back and watch his tape against the uh, the Packers. Uh, in week two, he carved the Packers up. Uh, in that game, it was uh, pretty impressive, and he's had flashes throughout. And you know, I've 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 been listening to the narrative that he isn't being given the football enough, that he's not being used properly by Arthur Smith, and uh, you know, maybe it's just a problem of how much talent they have, how much young talent they have on the offensive side of the ball with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and. Uh, and whatnot, maybe it's issues with the offensive line because they're banged up. I mean, I was just looking at the injury report uh, while I was talking to them, and I think four of their five starting offensive linemen are in the injury report. All of them are limited to every single one. Not one of them has had a full day of practice so far uh, this week. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't play, but I think at the very least it means that this offensive line, even if they have their best out there, they're not 100%. Uh, when they come into town to face what we have in a very good defense uh, for the last six or seven weeks uh, of the season. So I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But knowing we're Bijan Robinson, I think you've got half the battle won as, uh, as, to, as to, you know, shutting down uh, the Falcons because I, I really feel like if we lose the game to Atlanta, that he will have a big part in making that happen. Uh, key number two, as my stepmother would like to say, turn Justin Fields loose. Uh, you heard me, guys. Heard me talk about it with uh, Aaron Freeman. That um, you know, I, I would love for the Bears to get a play caller in 2024, kind of like a, a Greg Roman uh, type guy who knows how to handle and how to use a mobile quarterback to the full extent. Because it watching Justin Fields play quarterback in this offense feels like. Uh, you know, oh, we're only using 10% of our brain, and this is what we're doing. And look at all the amazing things we're doing with 10% of our brain. I would like to see what the Bears' offense looks like when we're using 100% of the brain, when when we're using Justin Fields to uh, his full capability with his legs and with his arm, because that, that's what's so frustrating for those of us that want the Bears to stick with him, is that we know we haven't seen the best of Justin Fields yet. and it's at least at least 50% of the reason that we haven't is because of how he's being coached and how the calls are how the players are being called that's just all the you know all these dropbacks keep him in the pocket type thing and and i'm not saying that they want to hamper justin fields but they want to use his arm cuz he's got an impressive arm he can throw an accurate ball and he can throw a football through a steel wall if he wanted to So they want to use that, and they want to kind of protect him from himself because he's gotten banged up while running the ball uh, in his first two seasons. But you're hampering your offense, you're hamstringing your offense by only letting him do so much. And, you know, I really do feel like it comes down to coaching, especially in those moments in the Cardinals game where he's back there for six, seven, eight seconds, running around, constantly looking downfield, waiting for someone to get open, When I think 2021, Justin Fields would already be 10 yards downfield. You know, he would already be gone. He would already have the first down looking to hurt you for more. Or 2022, Justin Fields would be looking to gash you for another 50-yard touchdown run or something like that. Let Justin play. There's only two games left. What's the worst that can happen? You know, if he gets hurt, then you've got more fuel to go out and get Caleb May. Uh, I was going to say Caleb May. Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whoever it is uh, you want being the quarterback next season. So turn Justin Fields loose. Let him play his game and see what happens. And then finally, let's play a full 60-minute game. You heard me mention it in the uh, interview with Aaron. I want to see the Bears play 60 minutes. I want to see what a 60-minute performance looks like. Because even in our best games against, say, against the Raiders, uh, or, uh, you know, against the Commanders. There was the third quarter where the, it looked like the Commanders might actually come back and, and catch us uh, a week off of, you know, losing to the uh, Broncos. We've seen what bad quarters can do in the fourth quarter with the, when the Bears had those leads. Um, you know, even in the game we beat the Lions a couple of weeks ago, what was a dominant first quarter ended up being a halftime deficit because we had that one bad quarter against the Lions in the second quarter, and the Lions had the lead at halftime because of it. And every other example that we can think of throughout the season where it's just like, yeah, we didn't show up. Sometimes we were bad for three quarters and good for one, and sometimes we were great for three and bad for one, and that's the one that cost us the football game. We've lost nine games this year, guys. And you heard me mention Aaron. I'm sure you've seen it a thousand times online. People are kind of beating the drum saying this that uh you know if the Bears finish those three games that we lost in the fourth quarter, we're nine and six instead of six and nine. We basically have a playoff berth basically lopped up. Uh, you know, go if with a win this week, we're definitely in uh the playoffs. We're talking about a completely different season, a completely different off season, and you know, a completely different turnout for twenty twenty four. So yeah, just those few little bounces uh, could make so much more of a difference uh, with us. And, you know, we haven't played a 60-minute game yet. We're 6-9, and nine and we haven't played a 60-minute game. Even in the games that we've won, we haven't played a 60-minute game yet. So I would love to see what that looks like and see it from the Bears at least once in 2023, especially if we're dumping everybody at the end of this Season, So there you got it, guys. That's going to do it for the week 17 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday, New Year's Day, and uh, we'll see what it was. Is it a happy new year for us, Bear fans? Did we get the win on Sunday? Are we, are we going into 2024 with a positive mindset? Or uh, have we lost double-digit games for the second, third year? in a row. It's Maggie was 6-11, and 3-14 last year. we lose again, we'll be double-digit losers for the third year uh, in a row. It's probably been a while since the Bears did something like that. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Come back on Monday and find out. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the Bears Talk Underground. Happy New Year. We'll see you Monday.